0: welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from first international christian fellowship the following message you're about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind wherever you are joining us from we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us now here's our guest speaker delivering this week's sermon uh yes he didn't quite get all the story right uh uh, messed up. I had actually raised in Nevada. I moved here when I was three. So, uh, But I, had, I, I moved away in 94 to do seminary and uh, went to the Golden Gate uh, Northwest Campus up in Portland, Oregon and pastored just north of there. And uh, I told God. Have you ever told God something? God, this is what I'm going to do. Maybe you haven't, but let me just tell you, you never win when you start dictating to God. Can I just share that with you right now? And I told God, I said, all right, God, four years, and then I'm going back home to Nevada. Eighteen years later, God allowed me to come back. The part of the story that he was getting at is this was not the job that I wanted, though. I mean, I wanted to come back and pastor, not executive director of Nevada Baptist Convention. Um, so, and some of you wonder, what does that totally mean? I just work with all the Southern Baptist churches in the state. We actually have 218, I think now, that are meeting on Sundays or other days, the uh, uh, week and uh, today, and so 60% of those are in Las Vegas, so I spent a lot of time down there in Las Vegas speaking at those churches not too long ago. I spoke at a Iranian church that just started. This, this Muslim man was converted to Jesus Christ and got on fire and decided he wanted to start a uh, Iranian uh, church in Las Vegas. And I said, Well, how are you going to do that? And he goes, Well, I've got a new job. And I said, Okay, that's good, Martin, but how are you going to start the church? He goes, No, I'm going to work for the community college. Because when these refugees from Iran are coming in, they have to go and take certain classes at the community college to develop to our culture. And I'm volunteering since I speak Farsi. And I said, okay, good. Now, let me just tell you this. In the last two years, he's led 70 of those individuals to the Lord in the gospel of Jesus Christ that were Muslims. Uh, so I quit asking him, what are you going to do, Joe? I just said, whatever you're going to do, just go. Just go do it. And... Uh, So he's doing that. So I was preaching down at their church, but here's what I found out, Gabe. I found out that Google Translate does not translate Farsi accurately because I have a translator, and I translated my sermon notes like these up on the screen into Farsi. And then I'm up there and the whole time they kept putting new slides and they kept pointing out in Farsi, which uh, by the end of the sermon, Joe, I understood what they were saying. What they were saying is, that's not right. That's not right. So finally I told them, take the slides down, forget it. So anyway, but it is a joy. This is one of my favorite churches to come and visit. My wife and I have always enjoyed. I apologize. She's not here. She was on a mission trip in Thailand and she got back yesterday. And uh, she said the guy in front of her was sick the whole flight. Some of you have had those overseas flights, haven't you? And she's like, please don't get me sick. Well, guess what? She woke up this morning with a fever, feeling miserable. And I said, honey, they would love to see you at First International, but they would not love to see your germs. So she says, please. Uh, apologize. She loves coming here and, and all that. So take your Bibles and open up to Hebrews uh, chapter two verses nine and ten, and also fourteen through eighteen. So kind of we're going to break that up just a little bit. Uh, I love hearing the rustling of pages. But if your Bible's on your iPhone or iPad, that's fine too. I won't get after you for texting during church. If you're, on, I did that to my teenagers once. Is, hey, hey, get off your phone. He goes, but I'm reading your scripture so that taught me a valuable lesson not to do that anymore. Um, but uh, I want you to open up the Word of God, and I get accused sometimes of, oh, you're just preaching a sermon that you've had, you're just preaching, because I preach at various places. No, Joe, I, I have never preached a sermon before. I, I'm reading through the New Testament this year. I just hit Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is such a deep, fascinating theological book. And God spoke to me through this. And then Joe says, hey, can you preach on Sunday? I said, I've already kind of started a message on this. And so do my daily Bible reading in the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> it really spoke to me. Some of the words, and, and maybe, maybe this sermon is just for me and not for you guys. So just, if that's the case, then sit back and enjoy and listen to my conviction, okay? Uh, but I want you to hear what God has laid on my heart The title of this, oh, can we go back to the title page? I'm sorry, guys. Not quite there yet. I'll let you know. You do not, I know Joe, Joe is just cool. Have you ever noticed that? He just kind of got that cool look about it. It's okay to say your pastor looks cool. He just got that cool look about him, you know. He's one of those, you know, smooth, good-looking fellers. Well, tonight you're going to have to put up with me, okay? Short, dumpy, round. I'm just not as cool as you are, Joe. Well, Joe's able to do his own clicking. You don't want me to do my own clicking because my thumb gets going, and I'm just up here talking to you like snapping fingers, and it'll just be going, and you guys will be wondering what's going on. So I've asked them to work that. So we're going to work together, okay? You do not want me to touch that button. It'll there, okay? I mean, you don't want me to do that. Joe, you're just slick, you know, yeah, yeah. You got that thing going. I don't have that skill, buddy. I don't have that spiritual gift of clickerness. I know it's in the Bible somewhere, so. God gifted those with the clicker, not me, so. Yeah, you're in that click, aren't you? That's what it is, Joe. Oh, man. So listen, um, there was a debate going on, and the Christians of this day, we're not sure who wrote this book, there are some that say Paul wrote it because some of, his, of the writings are similar, but I'm not so sure that's the case. Others have said this, but the basic fact is we're not sure who wrote it. We just know that the early church fathers said, hey, this is a biblical book. This gives us a lot of truth. Why? Because this book of Hebrews really is speaking to the Jewish Christians and pointing out to them that Jesus is the high priest. He is the perfect and complete high priest. Why was that so significant for Jewish Christians? It was so significant. I'm sorry, I'm moving around. Do you not move around, Joe? Okay, good. I'm sitting there because you got the camera thing going here, and I don't want to, you know. I told you, you're dealing with short, dumpy Kevin, not cool, slick Joe tonight, okay? So the, the Jewish. Christians were starting to say, but hey, you know, we were tied up into the law. They were tied up into the customs of sacrifice. And so some of them were trying to think that we still need to hang on to the law. But here, the writer of Hebrews is going to be pointing out that, wait a minute, we have the one perfect sacrifice, in His name is Jesus Christ. There's no one greater. We don't need Jesus plus something else. We don't need Jesus minus something else. It is simply that we need Jesus. He is the high priest. He draws it into ancient history, which we all know about, because He spoke of the first Adam, who was the man who was created in perfection, but failed to sin. But Jesus is the second Adam, and he didn't fall to sin. He died on the cross for all sin of the world. And so the writer of Hebrews, he gets into some deep theology here, but as I read it, some of the- Uh, words that just jumped off the pages to me here in chapter 2 this last week really began to give me a picture of three distinct things about our lives. If you look at the title, we're going to talk about one great need tonight. We're going to talk about one great fear tonight. And we're going to talk about one great challenge. And I don't want to sit there and tell you that, wait a minute, this is the sermon of all sermons. I just want to tell you that, though, this is wrapped up. If you get those three things down tonight, You've got it. It will help you through the rest of your life, just from what the author of Hebrews chapter 2 shared with us. You see, there were some that were trying to say that Jesus didn't really die physically on the cross, that he was just in the spirit form. They compared him much to an angel, and so you're going to see the writer of Hebrews say, wait a minute, he didn't come in the form of an angel, which, by the way, because he didn't die for angels, he died for mankind. He died for you and me. You see, those angels that never fell out of heaven, that never fell away from God, they don't need salvation because they never left what God had created them. And those that did fall, those that followed Satan, the fallen angels that we read about in hell, listen, there's nowhere in the Word of God a promise for them to find salvation. Salvation is offered to God's creation. So that's the issue that he's he's, uh, dealing with here in writing this. Now listen, I, I want to put an asterisk to this sermon. I have pastored for 30 years, well over 30 years now, but I mean I pastored a church for 30 years, planted two here in Nevada, revitalized one up in the state of Washington, attended seminary, have my master's degree, which like Paul means nothing really without God. But I have to admit that there are some mysteries in God's Word that I simply sometimes have to just accept because they blow my mind. How about you? Now, I'm worried about Christians that never get their mind blown by the Word of God. Can I just tell you that right now? Because I'm going to tell you, there's some mysteries that I just don't fully understand. I could preach about and share with you about the Trinity, but can I just explain something to you? I don't grasp everything about the Trinity. But there's certain times I'm just going to have to say, you know what, God knows it, He designed it, uh, my mind and His mind are not the same, and it's okay, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, you're never going to not understand something and then God go, wow, I didn't get that either. God's never up there go, wow, I did not see that one coming. He knows it all, and He knows our capabilities, and there's just some things that I have to sit there, when I'm, especially when I'm reading through books like Revelation, when I'm reading through the book of Hebrews when I'm reading through some other very symbolic, Song of Solomon, other books like that, uh, that I just have to kind of go, wait a minute, God, I don't quite grasp that. I don't quite understand that. But these three things tonight, I think we can all get a grasp. You see, God wants to be known. You know, I I had a a professor once tell me, Kevin, because I wanted to know everything, Joe. I just thought, well, I should understand all this. And And I'd say, well, what if this happened? And he'd say, Kevin... The Bible doesn't tell us everything we want to know, just everything we need to know. You guys get that? You know, the toughest question I've ever been asked was by a child in vacation Bible school. You want to know what that question was? Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? I don't know. I have no clue. They were not born of a woman. They didn't have the, the cord attached. I don't know. Maybe God created them and then treated them like the Pillsbury Doughboy and went, he, he. you know, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I don't know if they had belly buttons. But it was like stump the pastor day. And this little kid came up and said, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? And I I, I just wanted to say, your parents put you up to that. Because I'm literally going, bah. I don't know. We don't know. I'm sure when you get to heaven if you want to lift up their shirt and look, I don't know. you can see if they had belly buttons. I have no clue, but there's just many mysteries, but this I get and I understand. You see, today we're going to take a closer look at three major areas in every human's life, and I believe we all struggle with these areas. Jesus did not uh, did a, a, a perfect and complete way provide for these issues these major areas as you see on the screen is one great need that's the (laughs) sin of issue Uh, we're all born into sin for all have fallen for all have sinned if you're sitting here today and and you've never given your life to jesus christ the first and foremost thing you must come to an understanding is i am a sinner in desperate need of jesus christ We cannot save ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to inherit heaven and salvation. Our works are not enough according to Ephesians. We're not saved by works lest man should boast. We are saved, it says, by grace through faith. That's an issue we all have. You're born on this earth, you have an issue with sin. How about one great fear? The fear of death. We're going to talk about how for... From the beginning of time, this has been one of Satan's tools against every one of us. It amazes me how many people are fearful of death. Constantly fearful and what Satan does to put us in fear all the time. And Christians sometimes, even though we who are promised eternal life, spend too much time in fear. And the third issue is one great challenge. And that is we all struggle with temptation. Come on, we all struggle with temptation, don't we? I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're Pastor Joe, you struggle with temptations, right, brother? Yeah. So do I. We all struggle, we're going to talk about those three things. So let's look at the first heading that I have here. One great need we want to talk about. It's a need. We are in need of Jesus Christ because of our sinful nature. I want us to look at the text. It'll be up on the screen, but Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, I want us to look at. You guys should be there. It's on the screen. Let's, Let's look at these words. And remember these first four words. But we do see Jesus. Just remember those, okay? We're going to talk about those in just a few moments. But we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time, so that by God's grace he might taste death for everyone, crowned with the glory and the honor because of his suffering in death. For in bringing many sons to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, all things exist for him and through him, should make the source of their salvation perfect through sufferings. That's the battle, isn't it? Admitting that I need that, I needed Jesus to suffer and die for me, that I need Jesus Christ to save me of my sins. Isn't that, there's no salvation without the brokenness of sin. Let me say that once again. There's no salvation without the brokenness of sin. All of us must experience a brokenness, that we were the cause, that we were the need. See, it says by the grace of God that He sent His Son to suffer for you and I. That is so humbling to me. You know, we were just singing about, you're the one, girls, young ladies, I don't know my proper, I don't want to call them girls, I go, no girls. Young ladies, thank you for that music. Thank you for, sharing with us about you are the God. You're the one that I believe in. You're the Jesus Christ. You're the one that I'm in desperate need of. You know, when we look into our lives, and if we were to stop for just a few moments today, many of us would go, well, if I just had this in my life, or if I just had this in my life. No, our greatest need is Jesus Christ. It is the one great need that we're all born into because of the sin of Adam, the first Adam who was born, not into sin, but in Hebrews chapter 12, it clearly spells out that since the fall of the first Adam, we are now all born into slavery of sin. What's the first thing a person who's in slavery seeks? Freedom. Freedom. William Wallace and Braveheart yelled it at the end of the movie, Freedom! I mean, it was the only thing that he sought after. Folks, until we realize we are captives in our sin, we will never desperately seek for freedom. As long as we don't feel like we're trapped. And let me just tell you this. It comes from an old Bob Dylan song, so I'm not really dating me because Joe, it even came before I was really in. But there was an old Bob Dylan song that says. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. You see, we're going to serve somebody. We're made creatures of worship. Do you understand that? When we were created, we were created to glorify the Father, to worship the King of kings. We were glorified to worship Him. And listen, if we're not worshiping Him, we're worshiping something. Time, money, objects, And until we get to the place that we realize, wait a minute, I am trapped and I am a sin. Uh, I am a slave into sin. I need that bondage broken. And before you look around going, well, yes, I know that I'm a sinner, but boy, there's some of these guys around me. I I just don't think they deal with it like I do. Stop for a moment. None of us were born with a Superman emblem on our chest. We're all born in desperate need of Jesus Christ. Don't let that stop you from meeting the Savior tonight. Don't let that stop you from giving your life to Jesus Christ and surrendering to Him. Don't sit there and think, well, wait a minute, I'm never good enough. Listen, join the family. None of us are good enough. Amen? And remember, I just got done preaching at the Farsi Church where they talked back to me in a language I didn't understand. So, uh, you know, a good amen here and there makes me feel a little bit better about this, okay? Adam ceased being a king and became a slave when he turned his back on God. So with any, as with any slave, the major question that comes to mind is, how do I become free? You guys remember those first few words in verse 9? What did it say there? Say them out loud with me. But we do see who? Jesus. Say that out again. Jesus. Okay, now I want you to look at this next verse. Over in Hebrews chapter 12, probably a more famous verse that you might have. It'll be up on the screen also for you. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, which is so powerful. Look at the same writer. He's writing about what? Look what it says. He says, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Can I just pause right there? Chapter 2 comes after what chapter? This is easy, guys. Chapter 11, okay? (laughs) It's the same numbering system. Chapter 11 is known as what? The great faith chapter. It's the chapter where the writer begins to say, and by faith, Abraham. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Rahab. By faith, he goes on and on and on. And then in chapter 2, he comes up and he goes, hey, because we have this great cloud of witnesses around us, who's he referring to? All those great men and women of faith before Many say that he was comparing it because, of course, the Greeks were in charge, uh, very much powerful at that time. And what were the Greeks known for but for the Olympics? And if you study the ancient history of the Olympics, the former champions would all come out at the top of the stadium, at the very top and they would surround and they would all be dressed in whites and so some would say that it would be look like looking at this great cloud of witnesses then let us run and it was supposed to be an inspiration to the other athletes as they looked up and they saw their past heroes and they went wait a minute I'm going to do my best I'm going to run the race I'm going to throw the disk I'm going to do all those things that's literally what it was a comparison to let's go back to this therefore since we have all this such a cloud, a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside what? Every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Now, verse two is so key. Keeping our eyes on... Come on, say it out loud, folks. Jesus. Boy, that's the name above all names. That's the name that even the Demons of hell hear and tremble. That's the name that says one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the name of Jesus." Jesus. So keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. Boy, the writer of Hebrews is trying to get a theme here, isn't he? Chapter 1, he says, hey, listen, this is Jesus. We, but we see Jesus who was sent by, his God's, by God's grace to suffer for us. That he was made a little lower than the angels. You guys understand what that means? is that He became flesh. And because He came flesh, He took our place on the cross. He, He died for us. He died for our sins. And He did it without shame. Even though it was shameful to die on the cross, that was meant for criminals. Did you know it was such a shameful death that Romans could not be put to death on the cross? It was meant for other nationalities and for criminals. He had become flesh to take our place, to pay the price. You see, ladies and gentlemen, He couldn't have came in the spirit form and died on the cross. When He was on the cross, He felt those nails in His hands and His feet. He felt that spear into His side. He felt those thorns into His brow. He felt the beating that He took before that. He felt all of it because somebody had to die because of the issue of sin, a need that all mankind is having. And therefore, we... Must have someone take our place. Aren't you grateful we had somebody take our place? That you and I don't have to face that. You see why I can say one great need? We all had that need. And even though he was made lower than the angels, and I love that phrase there in the text of verse 9, he says, for a short while. He didn't stay that way, did he? (laughs) <laughs> no, man, the stone rolled away. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't made to stay in that grave, folks. You, I, I don't know, but come on. I, I have this, well, some of you already know. I have this warped sense of imagination. I, my mom, to this day, still says, but could you imagine what it was like on that day when the resurrection came? Could you imagine the power and the force? That stone was not rolled away by man. Man cannot roll it away. Even the women who went to put spices on Jesus' body were wondering, well, how are we going to get in there? But When they got there, it was rolled open. There There was resurrection. Folks, I want to tell you, when we have resurrection in our life, we have life. The issue of sin is dealt with. There's power. I think about what it's going to be like when the Lord's trumpet sounds. Oh man, there's days in Nevada which you guys know what I'm talking about. When you're driving down the road and it's kind of raining around, but there's just that one funnel of sunshine that comes down through. You guys know what I'm talking about? And you're looking at it just looks beautiful, doesn't it? It just comes down. And and it makes me think of Revelations or it makes me think of Thessalonians when it says, and, and the clouds in the sky will be rolled back and a trump of the Lord shall sound. There's times I catch myself turning my radio down to make sure I don't miss that <laughs> blowing of the trump. You know what I mean? You know, I imagine when that happens to me, if anybody was behind me and went, doo, 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 i just hit the brakes, man. I, I'd just be like, oh, could you imagine what that's going to be like for us who live in Christ? It says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Doo, 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 doo. Oh, man. And then us who remain will be caught up in the air by the, the power of an almighty God. Folks, you won't be thinking about what you're going to do the next day. I I remember when I was in college and seminary, there's days I used to pray right before finals, Lord, come now. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So I don't have to face this exam anymore. (laughs) Oh, I don't have to take that final. That's awesome, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You excited about that day? Come on. You excited about that day? I am. Are you ready for it? I am. I want to tell you, the world that we live in is an ugly place, is it not? Evil is called good, and good is called evil now. There's days I just say, Lord, but yet it's His grace. Listen, it's His grace that He hasn't come yet. Because He still has others that He wants to be His. So by us staying is not. What, what did Paul say? For me to die is to gain, but to live is for Christ. You see why we're here? All right, let's look at the second point. I, I, I tell you, I haven't preached a sermon before. I'm just kind of fired up about it because I've been in my daily readings with it there. So. Let's talk about one great fear. And then let's go to Hebrews chapter 2 again, verses 14 through 15. Same author, same chapter, so forth. Chapter, 14, uh, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Whoops. If I'm going to tell you guys to get there, I better get there. I apologize. Look what he says in verses 14 and 15. Hold on, I'm almost there. Now since the children have flesh... Now see, he's helping us understand. Why did Jesus have to become flesh? Why did God have to become flesh? Well, because we're flesh, and he died for our sins, but he goes further. Now since the children have flesh and the blood in common, Jesus also shared in these so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is, the devil... And to free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. So what is the the one great fear? Death. Boy, it scares us to death. People are so fearful of dying, aren't they? I want to tell you, I've been by the bedside of a committed, trusted believer in Jesus Christ, and it's a sweet place to be. Oh, I'm ready to go, Pastor. My dad, when he was going, he goes, Son, don't don't worry about me. Soon I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be with Jesus. It's going to be okay. And then I've been at the bedside of someone who didn't know Jesus Christ, dying of cancer, clinging to my hand. Please don't let them let me die. Like it was the doctor's options, and they were fighting for that in such a way. And I, I had to try to help and share with Jesus Christ with this individual, but he would not believe. What was the first and remains the major fear of humans? Death. When the, when the discussion with Satan and Eve at the tree, do you remember what he used to calm her down? He said, surely you won't die if you eat of this. What was she afraid of? She wasn't afraid of God. She was afraid of dying, wasn't she? Satan was aware of this in the garden when he issued that challenge and he tempted her with the fruit. This is Satan's strongest weapon that keeps non-believers from trusting Christ. Oh, we're so fearful. Well, what will other people think of you if tonight you gave your life to Jesus Christ? Some of you quickening in fear, knowing that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. But boy, we're just fearful of making that commitment. And Satan's going, boy, you don't want to do that. Boy, it's fearful. Boy, he puts fear and he strikes us with that, doesn't he? You know what we'll think if you gave your life to Jesus? Christ? Praise God. There's another one who has said no to sin, no to Satan, and given his life to Jesus Christ. Well, if I confess and give my life to Christ, they'll all know what a wicked sinner I am. Listen, can I just, can I shatter your thoughts for a moment? We already know we're all wicked and are in need of Jesus Christ, right? Is there anyone here going, listen, most of us are like the Apostle Paul. If I was to ask you, you would say, but I am the chief of sinners, because we know our own sins, don't we? It's humbling when we look at our own sins. Don't don't be like me. Be like Jesus. You know, it's that tool of Satan's about fear, though, Pastor Joe, that keeps believers frozen from obeying God. What? Now you want me to follow in baptism? I'm... Fearful. What? Now you want me to share my faith with others? I'm fearful. You guys see the power of fear? The one great fear? I once had a man come and say, Well, I don't want to go to that part of Reno and share Jesus. It's dangerous there. Where did the disciples go but where it was dangerous? Who is our God? Folks, why do we set and tremble over things? Of, 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 you read a list of service. Well, boy, I'd like to work with kids, but I'm fearful I don't know enough. Do you understand who your God is? Now, this will date some of you a little bit. Younger generation, you probably don't remember Mighty Mouse. Do you guys remember the cartoon? Some of you. Here I come to save the day. Come on, you guys with me on that one? Yes, Mighty Mouse. You didn't know I had that talent in me, did you? I can't use a clicker, but I can sound like Mighty Mouse. But I'm telling you, we have the Lord God. There should not be anything that we cannot do. He is mighty. He is powerful. He created the universe. Folks, He is mind-boggling. And He says, I love you. And that song that we sang, He lives in my blood. He lives inside of me. He beats my heart. So therefore, I do not need to live in fear any longer. He destroyed fear at the cross. Even though Satan does not have the absolute power of death, as we know because of Job, remember he had to go and ask. He uses it as a tool to perfection, though, doesn't he? To make us afraid of everything. Satan sees the role to get control over God's creatures. And yet he puts fear in. I've seen so many churches sometimes that, that God says, go in this direction, and they're fearful. Oh, what would it mean of us? Don't you understand? We have an almighty God. There should be nothing to fear. If God tells us to do it, then do it. But Christ's death and resurrection destroyed the control of fear over death. He had to become flesh to destroy the fear of death, of our own flesh. He delivered us from bondage, from fearing death. And my greatest challenge to you tonight is know it and then live it. See, it's not enough to know this truth. We must live this truth. You're right, Pastor Joe. I sit in there listening and go, man, does he realize he's touching on my sermon? The greatest way they're going to see God is in us. And the only way others are going to see God in us is if we live it. Now, that doesn't mean walk on the job, you know, Tuesday morning. Here I come to save the day. You don't want to do that, okay? But you can at least have confidence in Jesus Christ. And when somebody is facing a situation, say, you know what? I'm not sure, you know, all the things about that issue, but I can tell you about Jesus who can help you through that situation. I can tell you about God who loves you. And that regardless, He will work together for good all things for those who love Him. You see, he did not take the form of angels because they didn't need him. They weren't the promised. We were. It's amazing, right now we're lower than the angels, but when we get into heaven, we'll be higher because we're the chosen children of God who have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at 1 John. Look at the screen, if you would. 1 John four 18. We're talking about fear, Right? One great fear. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves what? Punishment. A few verses before that it says, We love Him because He first loved us. You want fear cast out of your life? Get wrapped up in the love of Jesus Christ. You know how much he loves you? He was willing to suffer and to die for you. Can, can I just back up this a little bit? Because this boggles my mind a little bit. Okay, this is one of those things. Not only did he come down here to die, but that meant, he, Pastor Joe, he had to leave heaven to do that. Now, when I said the world that we live in is pretty ugly and dark, a bunch of you said, yes, you agree with me, right? Boy, i don 't get this world, do you get this world? The things that are taking place and they 're calling it good. the breakdown of the family unit the 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 sanctioned of marriage between a man and a woman destroyed the issues with children. I read over and over again of women uh, of women and children who have been abused or molested and and i 've seen what damage that has done. I, you know, Or you see these children who are killed by someone and, and you've been reading. You guys been reading right, lately about the families who have nine, eight, ten children and they, they've been abusing them in their homes, locking them up you know, in closets, not feeding them. Not, guys, I can't wrap my head around that. I have four children and I could never imagine doing something like that to a precious child. Can you? I, I, don't, I don't get it. And yet Jesus was willing to leave the perfection of heaven and come to this ugly, sinful world that we live in for you and me. Now that's got to blow our minds. Just, you know, you get the goosebumps a little bit. That's got to make you just go whoa. You know? Because I don't know if I would leave any place like perfection for this place. You following me here? Knowing that he would be rejected and despised. He knew it. And knowing that he was going to be put on the cross. Knowing that many of his disciples would leave him. Yet he still stayed with them. Knowing that Peter would deny him three hours after that famous in the garden moment. And yet he still loved Peter. Folks, you see why perfect love casts out all fear? With that kind of love, boy, just like, I I could do this. I have nothing to fear. I have Jesus Christ. (coughs) Let me ask you this question. Are you still allowing Satan control over your life through fear? Last point, and then we'll close tonight. Let's look at the one great challenge. Let's go back to our text in Hebrews chapter 2. Let's go to 16 through 18 now. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. That's you and me. Therefore, he had had to be like his brothers in every way so that he could become, listen to these words, merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. And these are the verses, Pastor Joe, in verse 18 that just struck me this week. For since he himself was tested and has suffered, he is able to help those who are tested. Knowing that we are now slaves to sin, Jesus knew temptation would be an issue in our life. Even the Apostle Paul said, those things I don't want to do, I do. And those things I want to do, I don't do. He says the old nature and the new nature battle. So Christian, it doesn't mean that as soon as you're saved, you no longer have temptations. It just means it's a constant battle until Jesus comes, right? Now when I think of all the things about heaven, no tears, no sorrow, no sickness... Streets made of gold. Doesn't that just go, wow, I'd love to see all of that. But you want to know the greatest thing, Pastor Joe, and I've said this since I began to start preaching. The greatest thing that excites me is living a day without the struggle with sin. I don't know what that would be like, because every day of my life I've constantly struggled with sin. I, don't, I can't grasp that. I can't Could you imagine what that's going to be like? We're not, we're not going to have any sin, brother. I mean, Nothing. That just blows my mind a little bit where I go, wait a minute. Isn't that going to be glorious? Every day I fight it. Do you? Come on. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin when we fall into temptation. So don't beat yourself up for the temptation. (laughs) Seek forgiveness if you fall into temptation. Temptation's out there. If he had not become flesh and suffered through temptation, he could not be, as according to the text, the merciful and faithful high priest. He did that. He suffered through that for you and me so that he would be the perfect high priest, that we wouldn't need anyone else to stand in the gap for temptation. God knew that his children would need a sympathetic priest to help us in our weakness. And Joe, this is where it got me because so often when I deal with temptation, I beat on myself. But according to this text, he's not up there going, oh man, I'm going to really have fun just beating up on them." No, he's doing this so he can say, listen, I get it. Listen, listen, do you understand? Jesus is never shocked when you fall to sin. He's not up there. He knows it's a battle. He knows who we are. He knows how we're created. He can be saddened, he can be disappointed, he can weep over for the sins of the world. But folks, I want to tell you the one thing he's not is up there ready to pounce on you as judge and executioner. What he's wanting to do is to love you in such a way that it overwhelms you and you cannot believe you're loved so much when you can't even love yourself. Have you ever been there where you've fallen into sin? I have. I'll confess it. I'll be transparent. There's times I couldn't even love myself for the sins I had committed against Jesus Christ and yet Jesus just wrapped his arms around me and he just pulled me close and he goes, I love you, Kevin. Oh, that'll break you, won't it? That's grace, isn't it? Unmerited favor. Mercy. Christ needed no perfecting since he was God, but he allowed himself to suffer in temptation for his priestly ministry. That's why we call upon God when we face temptation. And according to the Ephesians, to break down the Greek text of this, it literally says He'll run to our aid in temptation. That's how much He loves you. The problem is is that when we are facing temptation or when temptation strikes, often we're in rebellion and we refuse to call upon Him and we fall into temptation. That's why it's so important that daily you're in the Word of God reading and daily you're seeking the truth. I, I did a research paper once about pastors who fall into sexual sin. Found out that overwhelming majority of those pastors who had fallen into sexual sin had done so and they had, did not have daily prayer and devotional life. Well, folks, when you separate yourself from God and you're not close to the one who has given you so much, when the challenge, the great challenge of temptation comes, you have nothing to lean on. This is a great, is there anyone in this room that's never faced temptation? I want to know because you're having a temptation to lie right now, okay? (laughs) I will challenge you on that one. We all face it. Amen. Come on. Amen. We justify it. But we have someone who died for our temptation. Isn't that amazing? It blows my mind that Christ is not shown as the judge and the executioner. He's shown as an understanding, merciful, and faithful Savior. Three issues that we all have. Three issues. That God sent His Son to provide help. We have, we have one great need. And that deals with the sin issue, isn't it? We have, all of us have one great fear. Fear of death. We all have one great challenge with temptation. And Jesus, Jesus, is the answer to those according to Hebrews chapter 2. He is the perfect and high priest. There's no greater sacrifice that we need. So if you're dealing with fear today, I want you to, if if you know there's something in your life that you need to do for Jesus Christ, maybe you're dealing with fear that you need to know in just a few moments, you're going to come and take Pastor Joe's hand and he can pray with you and encourage you. You can give your life to Jesus Christ. I'll guarantee you, fear is going to strike at you. Listen, we have, Jesus. If, if there's a fear that God's calling you to follow through, surrender in baptism, but I'm fearful. I remember I, I baptized a lady in Fernley, Nevada, back in the early 1990s, and she was petrified of water, but she was determined she was going to be baptized. Lady, she didn't have fingernails. She had claws. You know what I'm talking about? She had those fake long, I mean, just... You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they, they, just, they just come out like Wolverine, you know, on X-Men. You know, she'd slash you up. And so I'm going to baptize her, and she had a hold of my arm. And, and I put her under the water, and I went, Ugh! And she had stabbed me with all of my on one hand. And when it came up, blood was just, I was like, well, I'm glad you're the last one because nobody wants to come into this tank after that, you know what I'm saying? She got up. She had tears in her eyes. She goes, I did it. I did it. I I showed the world that I loved Jesus. And I said, yes, you did, Kathy. And then I showed her my arms. She goes, I'm so sorry, Pastor. I didn't even realize. Listen, no fear should overcome us because we have Jesus Christ. For us to die is to gain. To live is for Christ. And by the way, there shouldn't be a temptation that stops you. Because my God is greater than any temptation ever faced of man. You know, in the 70s, some of you might remember this. You used to make shirts and all this. The devil made me do it. Listen, the devil can't make a believer in Jesus Christ do anything. We choose to do it by our own rebellious sin. We can be tempted, but he does not have power and authority over me. We have Jesus. Let me pray for you, Pastor Joe's gonna come. Lord, what a joy it is to be here tonight. But Lord, I know that a group, a congregation, such as I, Lord, this word that just jumps out at the pages into our minds and our hearts, Lord, that we all have a need, and that is you, Jesus. Lord, we all have fear of death, but yet, Lord, you conquer and defeated death. Lord, even though this body of mine may die, I will never experience death. I will be in the presence of you, Almighty. Father, even though all of us face temptations, you're the God that that faced temptations, Lord, in such a way that you're able to be the high priest, to be faithful and merciful to us. And Lord, understanding our temptations and helping us to get way of deliverance from temptation. So Lord, let us bring these needs before you. And let us surrender before you during this time. Lord, to publicly, to announce, proclaim who you are, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. That's the end of today's message. If you want to support our mission of reaching many others through this podcast, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.